Beyond the Ball, fueling your faith and family through sport. Welcome to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Beyond the Ball. Be sure to check out our other coaching-focused podcasts, including the CoachMaze.com podcast, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Players Court, The Green Light, and Bleachers and Boards. We're also building our stable of NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavalier Central, Grizz and Grind, Knuck a Few Buck, 305 Culture, Blazing the Path, Thunderous Applause, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's, NBA Breakdown, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, Spanning the Spurs, and the LA Hoops Pod. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. All right, guys, welcome back for another Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Klump. I am Coach Justin Gerstung. I'm getting a lot of recordings in this week, so Coach, I feel like I just talked to you, but what's going on? Yeah, it's exciting. It's Friday, the completion of another work week. We're getting closer and closer to that ho- the holiday season um, and uh, just some exciting times around here. What about yourself? Yeah, a little challenging. Um, in my place of employment, we're going to switch back to full remote for the rest of the 2020 calendar year. Um, and some disappointing news about the basketball season, but you know what? Nothing that we cannot handle. Um, we're going to keep working. Hopefully by the time this podcast airs, we'll have some, some better news for our athletes and for our students. But in the meantime, we're just going to keep staying positive and making the best of our situation. So we'll be good. I'm super excited about our guest today. We're taping actually on a Friday afternoon. So we don't want to hold any up, anybody up, so let's get right into it. Do you got a coaching nugget for us? Yeah, my coaching nugget, um, I remember you asked me to do a little clinic at the WCANY uh, there in 2019. We, we talked about attacking zones and a coach asked me my thoughts and, and the, it was, there's a lot that goes in and out of it, but I mean, that's for another podcast, of course. We could talk about this for hours, but um, sure. I told him the first thing you want to think about is wh- why are they doing it? Uh, is is that their fastball? Is that their go-to? And you knew that it's their go-to? and Or are they just throwing it at you for a different reason? But I think the first thing that you want to think about before any X's and O's is just really why are they trying to implement the zone on you and your team? Doing a little self-scouting there, then, yeah. it sounds like. Yeah, that's a that's a good coaching nugget, I think, for all young coaches. I think being self-aware uh, is a skill that is lacking by the human race uh, in particular, but definitely in young kids and even as coaches, I think you could look into your profession and just try to be aware of what your surroundings are. And I think that's what you're speaking to right there is if they're yeah. playing you yeah, a certain exactly. way. Yeah. Right. If they're playing you a certain way, there's gotta be a reason. Um, so you can either try to continue to pound what you're trying to do home or you can adjust on the fly. What's that? Um, there's a quote that says the definition of insanity, right? Yeah. Doing the it's, same thing over and over and expecting different results. Yeah. And I think that's part of what you're talking about in, in terms of being a self scout and just asking that question. Why? I love it. That kind of goes directly with um, my nugget. I think for today on, on Twitter, social media, we talk all the time on here about how it can be, you know, either, 
a cesspool of like negativity or mm-hmm. it can be a positive platform to share energy vampires out there. on yeah, social media. Absolutely. But there is one follow in particular called radius athletics um, that does a great job talking hoops and mentoring via that platform. And so I was actually reading an article that they posted out today on medium uh, talking about transition basketball and mm-hmm. playing with pace and with space Um, And just four simple things. One of the challenges that he throws out there when you're coaching transition basketball is, you know, are you doing these four things? Are you playing wide? Are you playing deep, like deep into the corners? Um, And are your players moving with speed? And is the ball moving with speed? Because I know you and I have worked a whole lot of basketball camps together. I mean, we've been doing this for a minute. And we always do different drills, right, and stations for transition basketball. And there's a lot of ways to do it, right? You can you can definitely manipulate your transition any way you like. But I think those core principles right there, getting players wide, getting players deep to create that spacing that you and mm-hmm. I always talk about. Mm, spacing the is show, offense. You know, sp- spacing is the offense, right? And then having p- good player movement, and fast player movement, purposeful player movement, and the same thing with ball movement. That's my coaching nugget. So for any coaches that are listening and trying to be self-aware with in terms of the basketball court, I think that's like one of my primary focuses this offseason to try and focus on improving our transition game a little bit. So that's my nugget for, for today. Seems to be the hot item. Yeah, absolutely. A little pace and space. You hear that's the phrase is catching on on broadcast now too. A lot of broadcasters must be talking to coaches because it's starting to make its way into the vocabulary list on some of these broadcasts. So, hey, what about a verse? What about okay. a verse for us today? Let's yeah. switch it up and um, keep it moving. Exciting. So I, I got up this morning to do that Daily Prime. Shout out to a previous guest, Sam Allen, um, for introducing that to us. And Cold uh, shower? Cold yeah. shower? No, the cold shower, that's coming. <laughs> um yeah, so I uh, in my videos in my YouTube, it came up one of my favorite videos, and I just had to click on it, and it was um, it's called "Come to the Altar," and uh, the thing that really got to me was three minutes into the video, it pans to hundreds of different individuals getting all jacked up um, for their baptisms, young, old. And it really didn't matter. Um, the childlike happiness that was gleaming out of these individuals was it, it just moves you. And not only that was it was also coming out of the individuals that were watching this happen because they know the magnitude of the moment. And it brought me back to Acts two thirty eight when Peter replied, "Repent and be baptized for every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ." For the forgiveness of your sins, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And just that connection, it really got my day going today. I just wanted to share it with everybody. Yeah, I um, was doing my reading this morning in Ephesians and a very similar verse came up that talked about the light that you carry out into the world. And Mm -hmm. when you get baptized with that spirit, um, you need to let that light shine, you know, as the song says. I think it's a very powerful thing. And that, that glow that you have, um, that confidence that you can walk around with. Um, they talk about in Ephesians, the armor, you know, the armor of God and all the different parts that go into that. We won't go into that today. We could probably talk a half an hour about mm-hmm. that, but same type of thing. It just allows you to walk with that confidence 
um, and that sense of uh, relief that there's not too much to stress about because um, you're you. It's all mapped out for exactly. you. Exactly, we already have the greatest go. gift we could ever ask for. Yeah, absolutely. So, speaking of great gifts, that's such a good one, Coach. Thank you so much. But we're going to get right to Tyler Dunn. Here is going to be our guest today. Uh, definitely a special gift uh, gift to us to have him on. Uh, Tyler's got an extensive background, kind of like our last guest, mm-hmm. uh, Sal Capaccio. He, he's a journalist, has played sport, and now uses sport in his daily life. So. I'm excited to get a chance to talk to him. Yeah, I like where we're going. We're branching out. We're getting all, a whole bunch of coaches. So coaches out there, you know, get a hold of us. Uh, tweet at us. We'd love Absolutely. to have you on. Absolutely. So let's take a quick break and we'll come back with Tyler. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. All right, guys, we're back to Beyond the Ball with Coach Klump and myself, and we're joined by Tyler Dunn. Tyler, how are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks so much for uh, having me on, fellas. Yeah, yeah, Ty, absolutely. thanks for coming on for sure. So, um, you know, reading through your bio, you were you said you're uh, living out of a hotel room covering the Packers, and then you made your way back to this area with the Buffalo News, and your last stop was at Bleacher Report. Um, but now you got a new challenge on your hands, the launch of GoLongTD.com. So tell us about this new adventure. Definitely, definitely. it's uh, It's been great. I mean, re- I didn't really have expectations. You know, I wasn't sure um, – you know, the, the idea of long form journalism going right to your email inbox and supporting that. It's, it's still kind of new, you know, for the, for the media consumer. So I wasn't sure, but I guess whatever expectations I had, um, were, were blown away. People have been awesome. I, I guess at this point in my career, you know, covering the NFL for uh, a decade plus, I, I've got a lot of relationships around the league, players, coaches, scouts, uh, being in Green Bay for, those four seasons at the Journal Sentinel, like you said, living at a hotel. Gosh, back as an, an intern in college, I was out there too. So it kind of started back in 07, 08. And then roundabout way, ended up back in Buffalo, being on the Bills, the Bleacher Report uh, for the last four seasons. Kind of helped me get get some good national contact uh, contacts. And when Bleacher Report, you know, that's their prerogative. They just went a different direction, changed their vision. I, I just looked at it like, okay, you know, you know, I've got I've got a daughter, I've got a wife, got got a family that's building, um, and things just change on a dime. You know, people have asked me like about the risk of of starting your own business, but to me, the risk is is almost not kind of betting on yourself, right? Because nothing's guaranteed right. anywhere. Like you don't know if companies are going to go under, if they're going to change their vision on a dime. So I, I just love the Substack platform. I love the idea of enterprise and journalism, trying to just tell people a story that they haven't read before and they can't get anywhere else. And kind of cut against the grain that way, and and so far so good. I've been loving it, and people have been great. 
So if I go to your website, golongtd.com, um, what, what do I stumble upon? What's, what's, in, what's there? Yeah, so yep, you got that right, golongtd.com, and you can insert your email address. Um, and obviously, subscribe. We'd love for people to subscribe if, if they'd like, monthly or annual. It's seven a month, 70 for the year. But you can also just get on the free email list as well. And uh, right now, all stories have been open because I want people to get a sense for what I'm going to do long term. And then starting in about a week or two, it will be a full subscription with just the occasional like free story. Um, but in terms of the cadence, you know, I, I knew I, I wanted it to be long form based, enterprising based, just really deeply reported stuff. But I also wanted to keep up a cadence and make sure people are getting their money's worth and their time's worth and not just drop a story, you know, two or three times a month like I did a Bleach Report. So that's kind of the challenge is I'm trying to provide premium um, pro football coverage yet provide it regularly. <laughs> so right. um, Monday, I, I wrap up the games. I'm calling it the thread, you know, just kind of rip around the league with a top or a lead. Um, and then Wednesdays will be mostly a player profile day, something humanizing beyond the box score, try to get to know a guy beyond what, what folks know about that player. Um, and, you know, if, if news breaks, if, if I feel like writing some analysis that day, I, I might mix it up. A Thursday will be like a throwback Thursday kind of day, you know, talk to a former player, um, we've done stuff with uh, Dante Whitner, Bruce Smith so far. I just talked to Darren Woodson, um, ex-Cowboy. That'll be next week. And, and you know, like you guys know, I mean, former players, they, they just let it rip. They shoot from the hip. They they, mm-hmm. they say what's on their mind. So uh, it gives some space for that. And then Friday will be that premium uh, feature day where, where people can expect a story, hopefully, that will just make them want to stop what they're doing, read it, and, and really sink their teeth into it. Um, I mean, that's why we debuted with uh, – you know, the Josh Allen story that was really a Bill's quarterback story as much as anything and just how they got to this point. Um, and, then, and then we're starting up a podcast. Uh, the, the Bill's former director of player personnel, Jim Monis, we kind of hit it off when I was reporting on that story. And we're like, geez, we should drink some beers and do a podcast. So uh, we'll, we'll be working that in as well. All right. And so I just wanted to know, so like uh, for our out-of-town listeners, is this just mostly a local Western New York thing or is, can, is it national? It's national, right. So... You know, I, there's two ways to look at it when you're doing like a like a paid newsletter. You can go kind of hyper local, hyper niche, and you know that's kind of the athletics thing, right? I mean, they've got beat writers, a lot of really good ones that are covering one team. And you know, I I'm staying here in Western New York till the end of time, so I'm not moving geographically. And there's a lot of really good people that cover the Bills, and my expertise, I thought, is kind of all around the NFL. Um, after the last four years with Bleach Report. So I, I do think that there is a niche, though. I, I think that there there are a lot of people out there who still want to sit down and, and spend 20 to 25 minutes reading a story and that that is kind of different from what you see in, in most of pro football coverage. I mean, when mm-hmm. you look around, uh, especially in this, this year of COVID, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of great beat writers, a lot of great writers. I mean, I'm friends with a ton of them. But by and large, it's it's a lot of stories just kind of off Zoom interviews and press conferences and, you know, Twitter regurgitation and everybody kind of living in this echo chamber. And, and very rarely, I feel like, are there just stories that really take you uh, behind that curtain? And that, that's going to be the goal always with, with Go Long. So I, I do think that, yeah, there, there is a niche there, even though it is national. Tyler, that's so cool. I'm actually a huge fan of all those types of articles that 
humanize athletes and and bring them down. Well, obviously, we started a a podcast, right, called Beyond the Ball that looks past the X's and O's. So my question and where I'd like to go is, has this always been the style of writing? Like you have had experience with Green Bay and with Buffalo, um, us being huge Bills fans from the area, just like yourself. Has this always been the goal to write those long stories as long as you can remember? Or is this kind of something you've eased your way into? That's a great question. I I think it really has always been the goal. You know, I've I've never wanted to be anything other than a sports writer to begin with, for one. Like, um, I'm sure, I mean, you guys are familiar with, you know, high school sports all over, but growing up in the Southern tier, the Olean Times Herald was our local newspaper. And I got in with them probably, you know, when I was 13 or 14 years old, I think I went there for career day. And mm-hmm. I still remember Chuck Pollock, the sports editor, said, hey, when you turn 16, I'll give you a call and we'll, you can we'll hire as an intern. And sure enough, like three years later that they did, uh, and so it started there and loved it there. They they let, you know, I covered games. I worked the desk, taking, you know, the calls late at night from coaches like yourselves and getting the mm-hmm. chance to cover stuff. And they, and Chuck let me write columns, believe it or not. I think I wrote like NBA columns even. I don't know why he let me do it, but I, I learned on the job and he helped me out throughout. It was great. Um, I mean, I, I'm so indebted to Chuck. He's just an unbelievable human. But that's kind of where it started. And then... Went to St. John Fisher, tried to extend the, uh, the the sports career, played a year of football there. And I tell you what, D3, it's a little surprise. There's a lot of talent. Yeah. <laughs> there is. Uh, and I just really realized, you know, I, I want to go all out with, with the sports journalism. And I always kind of wanted to go to Syracuse. So I, I transferred to Newhouse at Syracuse, was there. And I guess it was, that, to answer your question, it was really at Syracuse where, you know, I, w- I wasn't just loving writing about sports, but I really loved the – the human interest stories, the um, the enterprising stories. Really, the, the first kind of big story I think I did at our student newspaper uh, at the Daily Orange. Um, it actually got me my first job in Fayetteville, uh, North Carolina. I was there for a little bit before kind of taking off all over. Um, was on Mike Williams. I mean, like you guys know from, from Riverside and mm-hmm. uh, went to Syracuse, went played for the Bills a little bit. But I, I, my senior year, I just kind of heard that you know, Doug Marone and the coaching staff, they, they made it seem like he quit the team when he really kind of got kicked off the team. Uh, he was out past curfew and, you know, he wasn't drinking or partying or anything. I think Marone just kind of had enough and they had like this team vote. He wanted the players to decide whether he should stay on the team. And it was a really weird setting. Like they're in this gym and all of the African-American players, by and large, wanted him on the team. Um, those who weren't didn't. And more, there were more African American players than Caucasian players. And then when they went to call Mike Williams to tell him, "All right, you're on the team," they couldn't get a hold of him. They called, they called, they called. Marone couldn't get a hold of him. Turns out, if you believe Mike Williams, his phone was in his apartment on South Campus because his roommate had swine flu and he didn't want to be in the room. So, long story short, <laughs> he didn't end up back on the team, even though he tried the next day with Daryl Gross, CAD, to get back on the team. It was it was wild. He gets drafted anyways in the fourth round, and as we know, you know he, he had some issues. But um, anyways, I guess it was you know it was kind of that story and that opportunity you know, that, that led to my first job, and I, I just loved just trying to the chase and, and trying to trying to get the truth, you know, behind what we we see in a box score and what we might see on TV. Yeah, and there's so many people that are infatuated with this field and it's got to be so incredibly competitive. Did you ever, Ty, did you ever hit like that valley of despair where you're like, mm, man, 
I don't, I don't know if this is going to work out. You know, I think everybody that is into it feels that way with the hours and the travel and the commitment sometimes like there's, it's just, it is just different. I mean, it's, I mean, especially right now, I mean, I'm used to it by now, but trying to get, go along going. I mean, I'm really sitting here in my office at my desk pretty much all day, all night. My, my wife has been super mom, changing all the diapers, doing, doing everything with, with little baby Ella. And it's, I, I think at this point though, with that approach to the job, I'm, I'm kind of used to it because it was really that way everywhere I've been. And, um, but it's not for everybody. And at the end of the day, like, to me, it never feels like a job. I mean, I, I genuinely love it. Like, I, I just get excited and um, feel purpose and, and get that mm-hmm. adrenaline rush going every time I, I get to meet somebody or have a conversation with somebody or learn something. It's it's never a dull day. I, I cannot imagine doing anything else. Yeah, that's so that's so cool. I think Eric and I, you know, both getting into teaching and now coaching uh, as well, kind of have a similar similar path, maybe not the journalism aspect, but we're high school athletes that want to stay connected to it and don't see what we do as a career, as a job. You know, it's kind of, we see it more as like a calling and as a passion. What was your high school experience like? Because you are obviously shared with us that you started with journalism when you were in your teenage years, but what was have you always been like a fan of sport? Have you always been an athlete? What's would that look like for you in high school? Yeah, definitely. Uh, God, I mean, I, it's crazy. As much as I love writing about sports, I mean, like you guys know, it's it's hard to ever beat playing sports in high school. Like that is like those memories you just cherish forever. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I grew up in the southern tier. Salamanca went went to school at Ellicottville, you know, small high school. I mean, from pre-K to 12, everybody's in the same building. And I played football, played basketball, ran track. We didn't have a track team, so I, I ran for our rival, our rivals uh, a few minutes away at Franklinville and, and loved it. I mean, we, we had a good football team, too. I mean, we played at Ralph Wilson Stadium three years in a row, um, started the last two years, and it, it God, it's, it's crazy how vivid the memories are. I think we were... My junior year, we beat Maple Grove and then lost to Oakfield, Alabama, the game before states. And then senior year, we finished third in the state, but in our section, Randolph was there. And that, that was when they won state. So uh, we, we were stuck with them. Um, but it was the best. I mean, I loved it. It's that 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 pressure, that adrenaline rush of playing under the lights, having the ball in your hands every play. I mean, it's nothing compares to it. And it's been... I mean, I know this sounds really pathetic for people who don't play, haven't played high school sports, but if you have, it's it it really is something that you, you treasure forever. And you almost get to relive those moments, you know, following doing what you love, reporting, right? Totally, totally. It's, I mean, I, I think it on a much much smaller scale. I mean, you can kind of relate just to the competitive nature of it mm-hmm. all, and. You just, it's just different when when you're in there. Like you guys know, I mean, it's um, uh, just that that pressure, that that adrenaline rush. Um, you you can't duplicate it really. I mean, I love what I do, but you, you, there's nothing like it in life. So I think when I talk to some of these players, and I I can understand a little bit in a very very small way what it's like to to feel that. You know what I mean? When you're on the field, it's just different. 
And do you think like all of the lessons that you learned being involved in sports, not only one sport, but three sports and always being active and always on the go, do you think that had a lot to do with cultivating like what you mentioned earlier, which was like, you know, pretty much always being on your grind, the, the long hours? Because that seems to me in like, a, the, you know, the profession of, you know, broadcasting and journalism, you're never turning down a job. You're, you're taking calls for hours and hours. You think that was a big difference maker? Oh, my God. It's everything. I mean, it's the foundation for everything. It's all we ever did. My dad coached us in youth sports at a young age. Uh, my brother was two years younger than me, so it was it was fun to play with him. Like in football, uh, he was the backup quarterback and I was the quarterback in basketball. We were both point guards. So unfortunately, we weren't on the court at the same time very often. He'd come in and I'd, I'd sub out. Uh, but it, it just teaches you, yeah, like you said, hard work and commitment. And I mean, you're going to camps and you've got those two a days and it's freaking 90 degrees out your full pads and you're all running the mile on a cinder track you know stuff hmm. like that yeah but i just think it like teaches you i mean that it sounds cliche but it's so true like that that teamwork aspect and accountability it, it, it's so important mm-hmm. i mean the life lessons that you get in all sports at the high school level are are just massive and i think really do set you up for success in life like even you know, I'm just thinking of high school football. I'll never forget. Like the first story I did at Bleacher Report was with Chris Borland, who, you know, linebacker at Wisconsin, played at, played with the 49ers, and then he abruptly retired because he was concerned about concussions. And you know, even he, you know, we're sitting down. This is after he had retired for uh, a year or two. Just kind of wanted to check in and see, like, did he miss it? Where was he? Yeah, he was at peace, and he was he was okay with his decision. But, but even he said, look, they're, they're, you can't even describe when you're a linebacker and you're just in the middle of the field, you, you've got to count on that guy next to you, like relaying an audible or giving you a heads up if you're going to just get the snot beat out of you. Like that, the fact that there's that kind of accountability, like if that guy screws up, you're going to get clobbered. You, you can't really duplicate that in, in life at all. And, and what a lesson, you know? I mean, that's the ultimate definition of, of teamwork and needing to work together. And absolutely, that applies to like every aspect of life, wherever you would work. Yeah. So, Tyler, just in that vein, then, and I fully appreciate what you're saying about the teamwork and what it means to kids, because not a lot of these high school athletes are going to go on to the next level. Um, I would just love to hear your take on the current, you know, pandemic situation we're in and what you think this is doing either for or negatively against kids that are not getting to participate right now. We have, you know, because all across the country, there's different guidelines, right? South, they're playing more of their sports. And up here in New York, we're still on pause for a lot of ours. What's your kind of general take on high school sports now through this pandemic, if you have one? Man, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's just heartbreaking. I mean... And I was thinking back was you know, March, April, when it first kind of went down, you know, that those are spring sports. And I just, it's weird. Like my, one of my first thoughts was exactly like you're saying, I mean, you're these kids that were just looking forward to playing a sport, you know, yeah. senior year, like they're, they're not going to have those memories. They're, they're not going to have that competition. They're, they're not going to have these games, these moments. Um, and then obviously it's spilled into the fall and the, the winter and it's just, um, I mean, yeah, it, it obviously and absolutely stunts that kind of development and those opportunities to learn all these lessons we're talking about that, that can last forever. 
And it's just a huge bummer, you know? I mean, I, I get it. I mean, I guess it's a conversation for another day on, on whether or not, like, it should be taken to that extreme. And, I, I mean, this is a pandemic. There's been, you know, tens of tens of thousands of people who have died. I mean, obviously have to take it serious, but just to answer your question on what, what is lost, um, yeah, those lessons, but just fun <laughs> and, and, and memories that just last forever that, yeah. that, that you're not going to get. It sucks. I, I feel for these kids. So what about in your profession, you know, uh, COVID hits and March comes and they cancel the, the tournament and sports are on a pause for a while. Were you guys uh, scratching and clawing to try to put out new material or try to find something to write about? It was weird. You know, I, I'm not, so, I'm not sure if it contributed to what happened at Bleacher Report or not. So I was still at BR. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that they were probably going to eliminate BR mag either way, but you never know, I guess. And, and it, it was a weird position as a football writer because, you know, I didn't change what I did a heck of a lot. I, I think cause the NFL kind of still operated like it was going to proceed with the season all along. And, and right before everything shut down, I was in uh, Florida hanging out with Sammy Watkins, you know, talking about third and fourth dimensions and astral realms and etheric bodies and how energies move in and out of them. You know, all that psychedelic stuff, it was, it was unbelievable, but you know, it wasn't coronavirus really wasn't a thing yet. It was like mid February to late February. And at one point, Sammy Watkins even said, you know what? Like, I, I can't really describe it. I don't know what's going on, but something big is about to happen. He's like, it's a new world order. Like, we, we've got a lot of darkness coming in, in this world, and it's coming very, very soon. And at the time, I kind of rolled my eyes. I mean, nobody, you know, there's a couple corona cases, but nobody was really taking it that serious. And then lo and behold, two weeks later, um, Rudy Gobert, and uh, he gets coronavirus, and the NBA shuts down, and you know, all the dominoes start to fall. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. texting Sammy, like, you you called this. I mean, you knew this was coming. And he's like, yep, we're in the darkness now. So say what you want about Sammy. I know a lot of people were coming after him after I did that story, but uh, he'll make you believe. He, he made me believe. Yeah, and uh, you, got, you were saying you got into covering football. Is that what you wanted to do from the start? Yeah, oh, yeah. I think uh, I was um, open to anything, Uh you know, I, I've covered basketball as well before and other sports, but, you know, really once I got to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel in um, 2011, or was it 20? Yeah, 2011, um, it was kind of like NFL from there on out, you know, I figured. And that, that was such a awesome experience to learn from Bob again, Tom Silverstein. I mean, all these guys in, in Wisconsin. And um, yeah, I, from that point forward, it was definitely all football. Hey, um, yeah, and I think listening to some of your coverage and we've had a chance to connect personally uh, on some of my athletes or one of my athletes in particular, I've noticed that it's been mostly football. Are there any stories out there that you could share like from other sports that kind of stick, stick out to you or, or a football story? Like what's because I love he- hearing these human interest pieces and I just love the inside scoop. So I just I'm listening to you talk about Sammy Watkins as so as a Bills fan, I'm like completely intrigued. So are there <laughs> any like stories that like jump off like the screen at you, like that you remember vividly other than the ones you've mentioned? God, that one is definitely one I'll never forget with, with Sammy. You know, being out in Green Bay that this is gosh, I guess it's been six, seven years now, but maybe one of the more memorable uh conversations. I don't even want to call it an interview. I mean, we were just kind of hanging out. I was with Brett Favre down in Mississippi. 
um, was able to hang out with him right at his house, you know, it was whatever it is, three, 400 acre property. And I thought going in, I'd only get like, you know, a half hour. I wasn't really sure how much time he, he had. Uh, and at that point, like there was still some pretty bad blood between the Packers and Favre. Like they it hadn't really cooled yet. Like he, he had his um, Packers Hall of Fame stuff scheduled, but he hadn't returned and nobody really knew how the fans would receive him. I mean, the last time they saw him at Lambeau, they were booing the hell out of him when the Vikings came back. So uh, that was wild. I mean, we were just kicking back, telling stories like we're telling now. You know, typical Brett Favre, you know, the first thing he says when he sees me is he's asking me where I'm from. And he's got a story about hunting with Jim Kelly in Buffalo. And I tell him I went to Syracuse for college. He goes, oh, I have a buddy. You know, we were hunting wild boar up there in Syracuse. They stood out like cows in the snow or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I, you know, stuff like that, you know, you never, you never forget, and it was definitely a, a story at the time that that really resonated with Packer fans because I think they were trying to figure out, like, do we, do we really want to welcome this guy back or not? And lo and behold, like he's beloved, and uh, at least publicly, it seems like him and Aaron Rodgers get along beautifully. So I guess everybody's sung "Kumbaya." All right, so yeah, Coach, or I'm sorry, Ty. We usually have the coaches on here, so um. I was I was into listening to one of your pods and you were talking about um, the situation where Terry Pagula was fatuated with with Patrick Mahomes heading into the 2017 draft, and it was very interesting. You brought up a lot of great points or what ifs. You know what if what if Pat Mahomes landed here, and I, and I thought to myself, well, if you ask many Bills fans, they might say, well, the combination of Trey White, Tremaine Edmonds, and Josh Allen is is greater than having Patrick Mahomes. Um, at this franchise at this time, um, could, let's get your thoughts. Boy, that's a that's an interesting debate to be had. I mean, I, I see it, you know, and and Doug Whaley and, and Jim Monas when we were talking about that, they see it like you know they they you know they they executed that trade along with Sean McDermott, and they were trying to set up for that next draft and. You look at the quarterbacks in that next draft. I mean, right now, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, uh, Josh, you know, I mean, you'd probably take Allen, right? I mean, I, I still love Lamar. I, I think he's special and, and he's kind of getting back to himself, but um, things worked out pr- pretty well. I mean, you could you could do a lot worse if you're going to pass on Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. but that's, I don't know, to me anyways, like, that's part of it. It's like you, you could look, look back at the 90s and and say, you know, Carl Malone had a great career, you know, uh, Gary Payton had a great yeah. career. Uh, Charles Barkley won an MVP, but Michael Jordan is freaking Michael Jordan. And, and sadly, I mean, I, I hate to be a Grinch, you know, this time of year in Western New York. It's like Patrick Mahomes. We're going to look back at him like a Michael Jordan. I, I think, I mean, he, he's, he's that special. He's that good. And when the owner loved him to the extent he loved him when nobody else did, you know, when Mel Kuyper and uh, Todd McShay and uh, Mike Mayock, I mean, you look back, they had Mahomes as like the fourth quarterback and, you know, second, third rounder when you, and the owner loved him, like that's going to sting. That's going to hurt. And that's the bar. I mean, it's, it's, maybe it's unfair, but like, that's the bar for Josh Allen, even though he, it had nothing to do with it, you know. Like when you're that close to getting Michael Jordan in the NFL, there's there's some pressure on you. And to Josh Allen's credit, he's delivered on that pressure this season. So Tyler, if I can remember correctly, I was just thinking about what you said about Patrick Mahomes. Wasn't there just a ton of buzz about him, like almost two or three weeks 
before the draft, like there wasn't really much said. And then like two or three weeks, he just started skyrocketing up the draft. Yeah, it's the truth. Like there really wasn't a ton of interest. And, and, and it wasn't even like in the media. You know, sometimes you wonder like, okay, there's media buzz and then there's like legit personnel buzz. And on the latter, Jim Monas, I mean, he talks to a lot of people around the NFL. He worked with the Eagles for a while. He worked with the Saints a long time. He's got connections, um, knows other scouts, and, and he was pretty adamant. Like, there was not a lot of interest in Patrick Mahomes. Like, they really thought they could still get him at 27 overall and pick up that extra first for next year. Now, they knew Andy Reid. There's a good chance he was chasing a quarterback um, to move up 17 slots to 10. Now, was it going to be uh, Deshaun Watson because he saw little Donovan McNabb in, in Watson? Or would it be Patrick Mahomes because he sees Brett Favre and Patrick Mahomes? And uh, they, they take Mahomes, obviously. And, and in that draft room, Terry says out loud, well, he got his Brett Favre. He got his Favre. And that's history. And you're right, Tredavious White, you know, top 10 corner, maybe better than that. Josh Allen. Looks like a franchise quarterback. He's about to be a very rich man very soon. So things Absolutely. things worked out pretty well. And I tell you what, when the Bills play the Chiefs in the playoffs, there's going to be a hell of a lot of intrigue. Right. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Do you think? And I'm listening to what you're saying. I couldn't agree with you more. You know about the Michael Jordan reference, but for Bills fans and all three of us in the room, you know, I'm assuming are Bills fans. You being from Western New York as well. Um, do you think it takes like one Super Bowl win for Josh Allen and that's like a forgotten point that we could explain we could explain that maybe that blunder not that I want to necessarily call it a blunder I love Josh Allen but right is it, does it take only one one Cause, I cause, totally agree one, one Super Bowl and he's a god here mm-hmm. you know completely yep Mahomes right. could win five if Allen wins one nobody I don't think many people will will care that much yeah, absolutely. I was going to try to use LeBron as a reference, but like everybody was taking LeBron no matter what. But it was kind of like when he won the NBA championship, like it really doesn't matter that he lost like three or four there, right? Made three or four finals and didn't <laughs> win. It was purely the fact that you got us one and we're good. Uh, I feel like that's kind of like the situation we're sitting here in Buffalo saying like, yes, it's going to sting to not have Mahomes, who could be one of the greatest. Um, but at the same time, get us one man, and we're gonna be we're gonna be loving life. That's the perfect. You know, I'm not gonna say Josh Allen is a LeBron James level, but in terms of uh, what a championship means to a city, I don't think you can find a better you know comparison than when Cleveland won a championship with LeBron. I mean, they'll be building statues after Josh Allen. Let me name it straights after him. They'll be doing everything. So yeah, he'll he'll be a king in Buffalo if they win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, knock on wood, he stays healthy. He's going to be, he's going to have a long, happy career here. And the fans are going to treat him, you know, like we treat Jim Kelly, I think. Yeah. Could be right. Yeah, you could be right. I mean, what you know, a scene it would be down there in Tampa if, if they win a Super Bowl. Oh, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. So, I, was I correct in assuming you are a Bills fan because you're from the Western New York area? You know, I actually never have been a Bills fan in my life, believe it or not. I root for oh, really? Buffalo. I root for the city and, um, you know, every, everything going on in Western New York always for the people. But uh, as a kid, I grew up a Packer fan. Me and my dad, we used to go to Lambeau Field every other year. It was, it was the best father-son trip. And, and you know, then I when I started kind of working out there as an intern at a, at a newspaper and uh, the Packer Report, I you kind of lose it. I, it's kind of – it's hard to explain to people, but you really do just – 
root for the story, not for the team, and stop being a fan completely. Like I, it, it it's kind of sad and depressing. I mean, I think a lot of uh, sports writers are telling you the same thing, but I, I'm really not a fan of of any of any team. You know, you you're really just rooting for a good story. And hey, if the Bills win, that'd be awesome for the city. You root for the city, but I, I just never really got into the fandom. Yeah, and I, I appreciate you taking it there because actually that was going to be my next question. Like, as a former football mm-hmm. player and then kind of being a fan as a younger kid, whether it's for Buffalo or for the Packers, was it weird when you started, like, getting interviews with these guys? Like, seeing them and changing from a fan yeah. to a reporter? Obviously, that shift has taken place, but what was that like? I can't imagine there was too much excitement the first time you got to meet Brett Favre. Right. I mean, that was maybe the one moment where it was like, oh, you know, you're a little just even just for a split second, you know, when Brett Favre get, literally gets out of the pickup truck like it's a commercial and shakes your <laughs> hand. <laughs> There's definitely a moment they're like, holy crap, you know. Watched every snap of yours from right. 1994 on. Like, yeah, there's there's memories there. Uh, but I think it will really help me in, in, in my career was when I lived out there, like you said, in a whole hotel as an intern. Just that it was the summer of, of Farm when he tried to take his job back uh, from Aaron Rodgers. And it was just insane. I mean, national media descended upon Green Bay to cover this. And, you know, I'm just this little, you know, snot-nosed, you know, intern with hair on his head at that point. <laughs> Not anymore, unfortunately. Uh, and it was such a baptism by fire that I think it was really right then. It was kind of like just cleansed out of my system. And, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to cover this all with you know, one of the biggest stories in, in football history um, day in and day out. So I think at that point forward, it was I had kind of made that shift. So do you have a particular player where you sat down with him one time and it was such a great interview and you're like, man, I just need to talk to that guy more often? Oh my gosh. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, that, that's the best. Like it's, oh man, it's happened so many times. Um, just I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, some Buffalo players for, for your listeners. You, you know, who was like that was Richie Incognito. Um when I covered the team in 15, mm-hmm. uh, I would just find myself in the locker room. If I if I, my work was kind of even done for the day and I had what I needed, I would just go to his locker and, and we would just kind of BS and talk about whatever, what was going on in the world, what was going on with the team and um, kind of developed a relationship from there. And I, you know, he was a free agent. I flew down to Phoenix and did a story on him then. And then, you know, for Bleach Report as well. And to this day, we'll we'll shoot each other a text here and there. You know, it's unfortunate. I, I think he was in a really good spot earlier this year and he, and he had some health issues, but um, everything I hear is he wants to keep playing. You know, he wants to play next season, but he, he's definitely right up there in terms of maybe one of the more misunderstood players. I mean, I'm not saying the guy's an angel at all. He'd be the first to say he's not an angel. Obviously he's got his issues and, and they're well-documented, but just in terms of a super intelligent, bright guy, who I mean, he he is on top of so much in the world, so much in the league. Um, his mind is moving a mile a minute all the time. I think people would be shocked uh, to really have a, a genuine, uh, deep conversation with Rishi Incognito. Wow, that's so cool! And you kind of done you've done this right as a young kid. Like you're not. I coach and I are super. We consider ourselves ancient. So <laughs> and you're you're some years behind us. So you've kind of been able to do this in your your 20s and kind of experience a lot up until this point. That's got to be a wild ride. 
It is. I mean, I've been so blessed to have the experiences that I've had, you know, no, no doubt. And, you know, there's, it's such a strange time um, for the industry and, you know, no, nobody really knows what's going to work, what's going to stick. And I just, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really optimistic about the future with, with go long and, and kind of the mission and the plan and, and how we're going to deliver stories to people. And, and I think I'll, I'll keep be able, I'll, I'll keep having those conversations. I'll keep doing these stories and, and people will hopefully enjoy the stories. You know what I mean? It's, it, it, it's weird. It's unfortunate that there aren't a lot of places that, that do it, but hopefully we can kind of scratch that itch for people. So Ty, I got one last one for you. Say everything comes together and the bills make it to the Super Bowl, and they're holding the trophy. Now, COVID year, do you, do you think Bill's Mafia just says, nope, nope, it's not holding me down. I'm going downtown city to celebrate. How do you think the people in Buffalo would react? I honestly think that's what's going to happen. I don't think anybody in their right mind will be able to stop the madness on Delaware Avenue, Chippewa. You know, It's going to stretch from... The North Towns, and no, it'll go up by you. You know, Akron's up there, right? I'm trying yeah, to yeah. yeah, yeah, Northern yeah. Erie County. Yeah, it'll be it'll, all over. It'll, st- it'll stretch, you know, from it might go from Section Five all the way down to uh, Bradford, Pennsylvania. So yeah. it's it's yeah, gonna from, be mayhem <laughs> from uh, from Pittsburgh all the way to Ontario. Man, there's Bills fans <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't think uh, Governor Cuomo will be able to hold that one down. That's I he's think been, but, he's been pandering the, the, to Western New York for quite some time too on on social media. I've noticed trying to, so I don't yeah, know. Right. It's yeah. been a love hate relationship lately for <laughs> yeah. sure. But yeah, we um, I think even the cops, the police that would have to try to enforce that, um, would be leading the charge there. So it would be crazy. Let's that's some wishful thing. You know what? By the time this thing airs, we're going to be right in the middle oh, yeah. of it. So we hope It'd be like uh, when the Eagles this, won. Yeah, this will be uh, hopefully. <laughs> Good karma for us. Well, hey, listen, we appreciate you coming out. We're going to end with a couple because you are still a Western New York guy, even though maybe the Bills aren't the main team. So we always have some fun with our guests, especially Western New Yorkers. So uh, can we assume that you eat chicken wings? Absolutely. No doubt about it. It's been two or three weeks, which is two or three weeks too long since I had wings. Nice. All All right. right. So here we got some questions. I'll go first and then Eric can finish up. So we have like like a straw poll going on here of flats versus drums. What camp do you reside in? Oh, man. I love both. I kind of go in streaks, you know, where I love one more than the other, but definitely love both. If I if gun to the head, I'd probably go drums because, uh, okay. you know, yeah. a little easier to dip. You can really get get a solid dip with that drum and, and really gnaw at it. All right. And I'll I, I'll we you. just both assume that we don't have to ask you the blue cheese, right? Blue cheese guy. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, anybody from Buffalo, we just kind of like <laughs> bypass that. But it's, it's interesting to see, interesting to hear um, – other preferred dipping options from those that we interview from not around the Buffalo area, which is great. Um, so how, how are you ordering them, Ty? You know, that's, that's a, another great question because when I was younger, it was always mild. I was kind of a wuss, you know. I, I just I thought I wanted to really enjoy that wing at a mild temperature. As I get older and I mature and I get balder <laughs> and now I'm completely bald, um, you know, being a dad, it's got to be hot. And, and if we're going basic, now if we're going, you know, creative, if you're at Bar Bill, I think you got to go a Cajun honey butter barbecue. Okay. 
And then if you're at Alamo's, the God, I'm trying to. It's been too long since I've been to Alamo's. They're the best. They're they're big on the dry rubs. So yeah. it's, it's a dry rub, and I want to say just a basic Cajun that's amazing. So don't discriminate, though. I mean, I'm open to any and all type of wings. Yeah, he just mentioned two of my favorite places: the uh, Barbilla and Elmo's next level. But um, any any um out of town cities that actually surprised you with their wings, or did you not even like go there? <laughs> oh my gosh, there's you know when when I lived in Green Bay. There was a place called Legend Larry's and it was incredible. And I remember I'd, I'd get wings there. It was close to my uh, apartment and uh, they knew I was from Buffalo and they pointed to the fact that they, they've won like competitions, like na- I think like national competitions for their wings and, and they deserved them. They were amazing at Legend Larry's in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So that was on the good side. On the bad side, I remember me and my wife were in New York City and our flight uh, got canceled one night. So we had to stay Gosh, I went one of the boroughs out there near the airport near LaGuardia and um, there was – we found on Google like there was a place that they said how they have the best wings and uh, all all in New York City. Whatever, however, they sold it and they were god-awful. They were terrible. So yeah. uh, they, they don't know what they're doing out there. And well, it's great. You know what? That's good to hear that there are some places out there that are good because most – uh, I would say most Western New Yorkers are kind of wing snobs when it yeah. comes to being out of town. That's for sure. <laughs> I know there's so many great places in Western New York, small little places here and there. So uh, we definitely like to get our wings as well. So, hey, listen, Ty, we appreciate it. We're going to let you go. Um, It's just been amazing hearing some of your stories. Good luck um, with this new endeavor that you're on. Thank you so much. Man, this was great talking to you guys, and let's do it again anytime. All right. Thanks for coming on. And all of our listeners, head out to Go Along with Tyler Dunn or GoAlongWithTD.com. Subscribe and uh, get into some stories. All right. Thanks, Ty. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. That was great. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. 